0: Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. The subject I've been given tonight is how to do mission in a pandemic. Well, these are unprecedented opportunities. All of us are being knocked off the the treadmill of our lives. The statistics are telling us that just now that 25% of the UK population have at some time tuned in to an online service. We're told also that 1 in 20 people are actually praying, sometimes seriously, for the very first time. Pandemics do not transform us overnight. People do not have a heart for mission one day and then uh, lose it the next or the other way around. However, trouble is transformative. But before we get to the how question, how do we do mission? Because that's not the main question. The question is not how, but why do we do mission? And of course, the answer comes from various sources. But of course, the Lord's last command is our first instruction. You will hear this verse quoted um, as you have often heard it in Bangor, as you will hear it again in the main conference. Matthew 28:19. Go and make disciples of all nations. And so we need to have this burden for the lost. That's the answer to the question, why? Because people are lost. I'm thinking very much of Romans 9.3. There you have the Apostle Paul. You talk about burden? He says there, I wish that I were cursed. I wish that I were cut off for the sake of my own people. And isn't it interesting that these words have been marginalized in today's society. I'm really interested in in church growth. I'm interested in contemporary application. The the contemporary application of the church is my passion. That's what I do. I love to work with church leaders and churches about evangelism and mission. But there are some words are dropping from evangelical vocabulary. Words like saved, words like lost, um, other concepts have been domesticated: passion, vision. It seems to me that these key words being lost, or, or, or saved, or, or heaven, or hell. This is not management speak, beloved. What we're talking about in mission is one hungry person telling another hungry person where to get bread. I just want to talk about two things. In mission in a pandemic, they're very, very simple points. Number one, what does change? Number two, what doesn't change? V- it's really simple. So, how to do mission in pandemic? We're looking at these two things what doesn't change? What does change? What doesn't change? Two things. First of all, prayer. Now, <laughs> all talks in mission always seem to talk about prayer. And we've got a little bit blasé, and we say, okay, I, I got that. Come on, come on. Prayer, it's basic. It's motherhood and apple pie. Let's move on to the next thing. Why do you people always state the obvious? Move on to a more practical situation. Let me unpack this situation, because humanity is fallen in pandemic Humanity has fallen in a non-pandemic situation. Why do we begin with prayer? We begin with prayer because we are dealing with a supernatural situation and we require supernatural intervention. If a person isn't a believer, what are we looking at? If someone is not yet saved, if someone is not yet a follower of Jesus, they are lost. Now, a really common illustration about this, an old illustration is you get a drowning person, and you throw out a life belt. Throw out the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. Someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. But, beloved, the person is not simply sinking. A better illustration is as someone has drowned years ago, and they have been at the bottom of the sea for years. Not only are they drowning, without Christ they are dead. What is going to take to take that body, that skeleton, basically, at the bottom of a sea, and bring it to life. That's why we need prayer, because we are talking about a spiritual resurrection from a spiritual grave. We're talking about the valley of dry bones here. So, when we see someone without Christ, they're not someone who is simply drowning They are dead. And as the gospel moves into their life, as God begins to open their heart, as their eyes are opened, as they see things, there's this remarkable change. As this resurrection takes place, it is a supernatural work of God, and it is only by prayer and supplication that these things come. So, beloved, that's the very first thing that does not change, is that we are being called to pray. Pray for someone specifically during this epidemic. Pray for members of your own family. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for that valley of dry bones, that they would come alive. But don't just think of prayer as a thing we do. It is the beginning of a supernatural act of God. Our weaponry is not of this world. Maybe we do have a little bit more time. Some of us anyway. Let's move aside and let's pray. So what doesn't change in a pandemic prayer? The second thing is passion. Now, by passion, I don't mean working up a sweat. But if I was asked, the one thing that we need as a church and as a people to get that evangelistic fire going, it's passion. It begins upstream. Martin Luther, king for all his faults and failings, and there were many, you think of his great speech. Remember what it was? It wasn't, I have a plan. No, I have a dream. I have a vision. I have an idea of something bigger than me. Now, plans come into it, of course. But what is your dream? What is your passion? Do we really have a passion for the lost? In the middle of a Presbyterian installation or induction, a question is asked of the new minister, and it gets me every time. And the question is this are not zeal for the honour of God, love to Jesus Christ, and desire of saving souls, your great motives and chief inducements to enter into the function of the holy ministry, and not worldly designs and interests. Passion. And that passion comes primarily through and from a love for Jesus. If you love a person, you will do anything for them. And someone may say, Honey, would you die for me? And we would say, Yes! For most of us, Jesus is not saying that to us. He is saying, Will you live for me? I wonder, do we have that love for the Lord Jesus, that passion cultivated that we just adore Him, that we see Him in all His beauty and in all His loveliness? We sing that that great hymn, He Will Hold Me Fast. And so as we sing that great hymn, He Will Hold Me Fast, we think of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what Henry Martin said. Henry Martin, the missionary, he said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. So there's that correlation, isn't there? That direct correlation between nearness to Jesus and the missionary heart. So, folks, that's what doesn't change our need for prayer and passion. Now, passion's not something that that we can work up. Passion is not some kind of frenzy like the prophets of Baal trying to work themselves into some sort of fervor. It comes from a deeper source than that. And as we have passion, we will also love people, this warm humanity that goes out to people. And so that's what doesn't change. But in this day of pandemic, let me just think, in, for the few moments we've got less left, in a mission to the pandemic, what does change? I think we're in an area where two things are different. Number one, there's what we call an open philosophy. This illusion of control is smashed. Someone said to me, in fact, yesterday, that they were so downcast because they felt out of control. <laughs> were we ever in control? I think of the book of James, James chapter four, verse 13 to 17. It's the word for this season, isn't it? You know, if we will say, we will go here, we will go there, we will do this one day and do this in the other. How foolish we will now say, if God wills. So, in the wider society, there is a sense in which people realize things are out of control. It's significant that in many congregations, churches are going through a series on the book of Job and the book of Revelation. Job, where there was this God-ordered chaos, and Revelation, where there was a similar God-ordered chaos. And so, as people are open philosophically, from the higher to the lower, there's, there's an openness. Some folk are compliant, other folk are angry. So, in that pandemic, when folk realize that they're out of control, when they're caught unawares, there's there's a window, there's an avenue in which to speak graciously. Now, it's absolutely important that we speak the truth of the Bible. I want to emphasize this. Because there are words of comfort, there are words of wisdom, which are, they appear to be very close to the Bible, but they're not Biblical. Let me give you a little bit of a mouthful. There's a thing called moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. It is a a belief that uh, God exists. Uh, It is a belief that says that the center of our world, uh, the goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about ourselves. And God doesn't need to be involved in our lives except when he comes in to solve a problem. And good people go to heaven when they die. So that's moralistic, therapeutic deism. The fact that there is a God who makes us good and makes us happy and who will help us when we are in trouble. Beloved, that is not the gospel. The gospel involves elements of that, of course, but the gospel is that there is a kingdom coming. The gospel is that there is a king, and we must follow that king. We must turn from our wickedness and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We must turn away from our sin, and we must look to him to cover that sin, and we must seek him for forgiveness. The problem is not a consequence of some perverse internal dialogue that has gone wrong. The problem is that we are out of relationship with God. And so, as people are disorientated, as there is this philosophical openness, let's meet it with truth, not simply some sort of band-aid And becoming a Christian is seeing the kingdom of God come, and the entrance into that kingdom is through the new birth, which is an act of God's wonderful free grace. And so there is this openness. Are you seeing an openness? A crack is where the light shines through, Leonard Cohen said, didn't he? And maybe you are meeting, living, engaging with people and there are many cracks. Tell them not simply of the God who is in control, but the God who wants you to have a relationship with him and enjoy salvation. And so that's one of the things we're saying there, what does change. There's an open philosophy but the second thing and this is the final thing that changes <coughs> is that we are living in a shaken world uh, it's in the language people talk about the new normal uh, did the pandemic come as a surprise to biblically literate believers it did not folks say the earth is in a mess there was the environmental crisis wasn't there and indeed the ongoing environmental crisis, as this this world is literally creaking and shaking. This world is old. This world is ruined. This world is out of joint. Christians have known that for a long time. Also, there's the reality of death. It's, It's as if people are realizing for the first time that people die, and people do die. It is appointed to man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Christians know that death is inevitable, that you cannot stave it off, that we must meet the final enemy one day. But the world's been shaken. It's beginning to see these realities about the world, the the realities about death, that death is unavoidable. And as people are being shaken, so we are being thrown together. There is most certainly a, a egalitarianism of emergency. There is that common feeling as we're all thrown together, as we cannot see our grandchildren, as we cannot hug and touch as we would long to do, as we cannot travel as we had intended. But there's also an openness in many other ways. Not everybody is antagonistic to the gospel. Indeed, God is working before us. Why is it? People in the quietness of their own home will click that mouse to go on to an online service. Why is it? Because they're fearful. They're scared about going to church. They don't know what's going to happen and in looking online isn't that a wonderful opposition they they're seeing a little bit about what church is like as a message is given that's cogent that's biblical that is relevant to where they are they they frightened of church i've i've never honest i've never been in a betting shop in my life i don't know how to <coughs> how to place a bet i wouldn't know where to begin People feel exactly the same about your Baptist church, Pentecostal church, Presbyterian church, CFI, whatever. And yet, they're maybe just looking. And as they look, it's not that they are looking for God, but here is the thrilling thing that God is looking for them. And that is a wonderful thing. How do you do mission? in a pandemic. It really is not rocket science. This is how you do mission in a pandemic. And I suppose it can be summarized like this. I was thinking, I alluded earlier on to Ezekiel 37 and the Valley of Dry Bones. Remember what Ezekiel did in that situation. He, first of all, spoke to God about the people prophesy to the wind. He spoke to the Holy Spirit, and then he spoke to the bones on behalf of God. Maybe that's our challenge for tonight, narrowing it all down, narrowing it down. You speak to God about people, and you speak to people about God. And remember, Ezekiel had a lot more than a pandemic to contend with. And yet, what did he saw? He, he saw the Valley of Dry Bones coming alive and this huge army all through Northern Ireland, all through the rest of the United Kingdom, all through the world. Let's seek and pray and work for a resurrection to happen through this.